guys. It's not anywhere in the book. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of That's Not in the Book. I am your host, Agent X, and I am a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. Please remember that no AA member, including myself or any guests I have on the show, speak for AA as a whole. The only aim of this podcast is to be helpful. If you'd like to get in contact with me or any guests, please reach out at that's not in the book at hotmail.com. However, if there's any guests that I have on the show that probably should speak for AA as a whole, like it's it's probably you, actually. <laughs> it's probably you. So I'm excited to have you back again, and here's why. Because you were on the you were on the podcast about a year ago when I was just starting to learn about tradition stuff. Okay? When there's a time in an AA member's life when tradition stuff is just kind of like accounting evidence. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, I get that it's a thing that I should probably learn someday. Today, I want every single thing in your brain to come into my brain. That's how I feel about it today. I want everything that you know. And I'm a person who does not learn instantly with reading. Okay? So I learn really well when someone else talks to me or when I have an experience and talk to somebody else. So in the next hour, 15 minutes, I just, I need you to tell me everything. Go. (laughs) Got it. (laughs) No pressure. (laughs) And I definitely don't speak for AA as a whole, for sure. No, but you know some of the stuff that I, can I just be honest? Okay. I'm afraid when it, when you learn all the stuff in AA, you kind of look around and I feel a lot of fear and you're going to say, stop being a selfish little brat, but it's scary. Like, do you ever just look around at AA and feel like it's doomed? No. (laughs) Okay. Thank you. I don't. Okay. I don't. I think it's easy because of, I always say the greatest thing about AA is our membership. The worst thing about AA is our membership. <laughs> so it's easy to, um, if if you don't keep your focus on the front lines of Alcoholics Anonymous, where a bad cup of coffee and an uncomfortable chair and people dying and showing up, it's very easy to, like, you don't want to get to a place where the place that saved your life, you start to hate. I mean, it's a horrible place to be. Yeah, and I was there for a while. And I'm not, so where I'm at now, though, before you, like, hang up on me, is this little place of sobriety where I'm starting to see that uh, the, the God everywhere, okay? And I didn't. I was like, oh, God's everywhere except for this meeting that has never had a solution to alcoholism or an understanding of it, you know, like, except here. And so I'm starting to understand even that a lot of people who were not necessarily well helped get me well. And that everyone in AA can be a useful person in AA. And I'm calming down. That's what I'm trying to say. You know, I'm just calming down. I'm a bit like the guy with the eye patch was 20 years ago. You know what I mean? That's like me with tattoos. Okay. But I'm calming down a little bit. Well, he's a, he's a, he's a very good friend of mine. And, um, <laughs> him and him and I are actually doing a weekend long step and traditions thing in a couple of weeks. Is that online? 
Yes, the whole weekend. It's not yeah, I, I, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, I'm yeah. So, I can absolutely cannot wait. So I was also realizing. But I would say this. There, yeah. There's the other thing that you have to kind of just, there's a difference between unity and uniformity. And, and sometimes we, even myself, we, we, I'm all of a sudden too much on the uniformity side. Explain the difference for me. Well, uniformity is that I'm comfortable with things that are the same and the way I do them and they look the way I do them. And, and unity really means, you know, a real able of celebration of differences and, um, and those are two very different things. And, you know, that's why I believe that there are only 12 traditions. There's so many other things we can do in AA. We have so many. But I say it all the time. Uh, it really is a tent around a circus. I mean, we are a circus on every level. Um, I just happened to be in New York City this weekend and was at a meeting I hadn't gone to in a long time. And I used to go to the 10 o'clock there at night when I was new and sober and crazy. And um, sometimes I went from that 10 p.m. to the midnight in the village <laughs> yeah. to the 2 a.m. <laughs> and then to the coffee shop, right? Yeah. And I mean, front lines AA, and that's sometimes I think where we sometimes get messed up is that I don't know, because, you know, I'm talking to an international audience, but. As a kid growing up in my generation, my parents watched a show called MASH. And, yes. um, and then I watched a show called MASH, you know? And, and I always say that, you know, when we stop thinking of AA like MASH, it gets too perfect and too rigid. Like, I want to just, in my mind, there are helicopters with red crosses painted on the side of them dropping off dying alcoholics in the front of every AA meeting. And that doesn't always look pretty. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, but, you know, you mentioned, you know, my buddy, Chris, and, um, you know, I'll tell you somebody that we all looked up to a man named Don, Don P from Aurora, Colorado. And, um, you know, if you trace the lineages back from Chris to Mark to Joe to Don, blah, 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 blah. You know, Don was part of that original big book revolution, renaissance in the, call it 80s, early 90s. Um, but Don always said something that always caught my attention, which was the fact that people are getting so involved in the big book is awesome. Mm-hmm. But his fear, he would say, was that we're creating a lot of one legacy only alcoholics and sending them out without the other spiritual principles. Uh, those could, are the hard could ones. Could do some harm. <laughs> could do some harm to AA, you know? So before 2020, um, just a little recap, I got sober in Colorado, actually. Very good. And uh, was able to stay in AA in Colorado for a year and to where I came back to Australia. I'm Australian, will always be. And um, from now on, and it was really rough here. Okay. There, um, I couldn't find a big book for five weeks or anyone who even knew what that was. You know, it was a really different 
experience for me. And um, I got really angry. I got really angry at AA and, um, and had to grow spiritually through that to where, you know, I went through the steps and I learned what that was. And then you learn the traditions and you go, oh, no, you know, I'm now afraid because of what people don't know. But it's just based in my fear. And I understand that. OK, I understand. It's just my fear. So in 2020, we all go on Zoom and all of a sudden I have this huge fellowship of people who just went through the big book, followed the instructions, recovered from alcoholism. OK, I I can't see a problem with that as being the solution to alcoholism, though. I'm not saying there's a problem with it. <sighs> but so here's I, what I am saying. Here's what I'm saying. I understand. It's painful. I'm saying what you're saying is painful because I'm falling short. What you're saying is so painful because it's true. I'm like, no, no, stab, here's, stab, here's what stab. I'm saying. <laughs> I, I run into so many great members of AA who I love and I'm good friends with. And, and, and some of them have told me at times, Billy, the traditions are useless. They're not, they're not part of the original 164, 104 pages, whatever. They're not part of the original program, but there's two things about that that I try to remind them of. And it's not my job to change your mind, but I will, I will remind them of two things. The first thing I'll remind them of is, you know, because of certain service positions I've held, I've got to examine a lot of the archives at GSO and read a lot of Bill's letters back and forth to people and listen to a lot of his tapes. Is one thing that really struck stuck out at me was when Bill said that one of the things that led to the traditions was that in the 12th step, which for us big book tacticians, we could divide into three parts if we wanted, right? We could make it like the three pertinent ideas of A, B, I and C. Right we, could now, say, yes. <laughs> we could say we had a spiritual experience, we're carrying this message on alcoholics, and part C, you know, we're practicing these principles in all our affairs. But one of the things that Bill said in a talk in the 50s about why the traditions was written was how strange it was in 1944 and 1945 to come to the conclusion that one of the places that most members were not practicing the principles in all their affairs was the very organization that saved their life. Just everyone listening, I physically covered my face. <laughs> so I try to remind them of that. And then this, and then the, the other thing I try to remind them of is, and again, I want to be clear that I know that I'm kind of a heretic in that AA is not for binge drinkers. It's not for heavy drinkers. It's right. not for people who had a lot of DWIs. It's for the real alcoholic. It's right. for people who have the physical allergy, the mental obsession, and spiritual malady, all three. It, 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 so I get in today's AA, that could make me a weirdo. So, but with that, with that disclaimer, I'll say this. I don't believe, based on where my life is today, in my own personal life, that on the day that I needed AA, if AA was gone, that my life would be like it is today. 
And maybe if I run into somebody and they believe that they would have turned their life around anyway, that their life would have completely turned around 180 degrees. But I ask people to consider that all the time. Like, what would your life look like today mm-hmm. if when you needed AA, it wasn't there? Mm-hmm. And that's why the traditions are so important. Well, I love your attitudes. It's called wisdom is what it is. I love your wisdom that I said, I go, well, now that I've learned the traditions, I think they're more important than the steps. You go, okay. <laughs> but do you, so even this morning, listen, like I had a, a sponsee call at, at eight in the morning about how she uh, bought a car without her partner's like permission kind of, but she, it was well-intentioned and now the car is a source of contention. And I literally at 8am am talking about tradition too, and how actually we can use a group conscience in our families, you know, and the day that I learned about a group conscience being used in your family dynamic, you know, that I'm no longer the person who needs to run the entire show, even though my intentions are good. Like, so at 8am I'm talking about tradition too around buying a car and how incredible amazing that is to me how I do believe the saddest thing that could happen for a real alcoholic is to come to AA and the only thing you do is get abstinent from alcohol that is the saddest thing that I can imagine because there's so much magic on offer here there's so much depth to the the ability to live your life following AA's just 12 steps oh just 164 pages and then learn those traditions like your life can be incredible. I feel like Miracle Oprah. I'm like, here's a miracle, and here's a miracle, and here's a miracle. This stuff gets really excited. So, in one hand, I love AA so much that all I want to do is run podcasts and tell people and help people and run around talking about the the grace of God that's in the book, that's in the steps, that's in the principles, okay? But then on the other hand, I'm angry. I'm angry, And that's not helpful. And you just saying about living the principles, you know, like, but are you doing that in AA? And I'm calming down. I'm growing up. I'm growing spiritually. I promise I am. Okay. Little by little. Tradition three short form, I still think needs to be torn out of the book. Like, I I hate it. I think it's really ruined us. Well, let me. Fix me. It's ruined us. Fix me, William. Fix me. (laughs) It's it's (laughs) ruined. If it's taken out of context, it's ruined us. <laughs> but if it's taken if it's taken into context, then let's really explain it. And yeah. and then let me uh, I'll follow up quickly with a comment. Um, <laughs> the myth that you hear in meetings all the time is that anybody's a member if they say they are. Right? Yes. You yes. hear that a lot. It's not what the literature says. The last paragraph of Tradition 3 of the 12 and 12 says any alcoholic is a member when they say they are, right? So reading that with the long form, it's an alcoholic that has a desire to stop drinking. Yes. Not the lady crossing the street, not somebody who has a gambling problem, the alcoholic. But I want to be very clear. The attack attack maybe is a harsh word, but the kind of ignoring or arrogance around our traditions does not come, you know, we like, we're a society that loves to blame people coming right out of the treatment center. Mm -hmm. We do. 
But they only repeat what they see. Right. That's all, or they hear. Our problem is really the members with 10, 20, and 30 years. I agree. And, and a lot of it, by the way, and here's where I have to, you know, me and Chris have talked about this a lot, is this is where the fundamental big book thumpers have caused us some damage. <sighs> you are not backing me up here, William, with <laughs> my beliefs. And I'm so excited to hear what you're about to say. Tell me. Because, because some of them, and granted, outside forces have had a hand in this, mm-hmm. in the outside recovery business, which was not as big as it is today when mm-hmm. AA started. But we have many people who do believe and tell their sponsees that if you've had a spiritual experience as a result of the 12 steps, you can help anybody. Anybody or any alcoholic? Anybody. Oh. They think they can sponsor anybody. In fact, during the pandemic, there was a big thing with thousands of people listening called the New Doctor's Opinion, where a a doctor said that he called them like the big six, alcoholism, drug addiction, codependency, Al-Anon, gambling, and food. And um, that's why I think that one paragraph in the sec in the forward to the second edition is so critical. Um, and I'll paraphrase where it says this physician, meaning Dr. Bob had tried spiritual means, meaning the Oxford group and they'd all failed. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until the broker, Bill W got him to see that he was hopeless identification Mm -hmm. that he was willing to do what he needed to do. And, you know, when we have people who think they can, you know, help people with other problems, I don't care. I have sponsees that have multiple problems, but one of them is alcoholism. And sometimes they need another fellowship. Mm -hmm. And my job is not to put down other fellowships Mm -hmm. or to speak evil of them. I think sometimes AA is so worried about where the mothership, where the where the tablets that came out of the mountain, right? Where the Holy Grail, twelve step fellowship started with us, and I think sometimes people are convinced that we always have to be the largest. But no. I don't really believe that. Um, no. Have you ever read? Have you ever read um, Narcotics Anonymous Bulletin Number Thirteen? No, I have the book here, but I haven't read it. <laughs> I can see it from where I sit. Well, it's not in the book. It's a bulletin they published. Okay. AA actually published it in the grapevine because it was so well written about how language matters, yes. how sober versus clean matters, how drinking versus using in an AA meeting matters, um, how identification of what you are in a meeting and having respect for the room you're in matters. Um, but sometimes these are lost in today's AA. Um, we've become everything anonymous. All addictions anonymous. So, two AA is one alcoholic help, helping another by definition through identification. Exactly what you said. And on that basis alone, 
you know, you can't actually do step 12 unless you're an alcoholic. And the only person just on this one little, like, what is AA? One alcoholic helping another, just on that one statement, like through identification, not only can you not work step 12, but you, you cannot work step one with a non-alcoholic. So we're, we're cutting out everyone who doesn't belong there, not based on arrogance, but based on the people who do need to be there. Those who the book is written is the words that it says actually can't really even stay sober much along a week and have a progressive terminal illness not treated with time. So it's actually pretty important that we have the people in MASH, the ones being dropped off at the front door, you know, be the ones that are actually ble- bleeding out of their head that I'm here to help because I was the one bleeding out of my head. However, what happens when we try to force everyone by instantly saying you're in the right place, what happens is um, we're gaslighting a lot of people to be in a place that they don't belong. And the problem with that is that if you don't have the identification, you are not going to be able to follow any of the required directions to recover in because you, you won't have any willingness there. So I help someone. Bingo, who is, bingo, bingo, bingo. Right. And, and, I, and if anybody doesn't believe that, they should go immediately and Google Heroin Anonymous World Services. Mm. Go on that website. Their grapevine is called the mainline and read those stories of, That's people a good name. Who were di- of people who were dying in other fellowships mm-hmm. because people said, if you have steps two to 12, you'll be able to be fine. It wasn't until they had the identification that they found in Heroin Anonymous that they became desperate enough to do the work required. Because if we, we need the identification. So it's not arrogant. And I want to help you find the boat you belong in. You're just at the wrong house. And so if I'm gaslighting you to say things like, oh, that's just your disease talking. Well, we haven't identified what the disease is yet. So if we can identify what that air quotes disease, that illness is in you, then you can identify very quickly whether or not you're in the right place. So when people just walk in and say, well, welcome home, you're in the right place. Well, maybe. I mean, my controversial Carol opinion is that we're probably top heavy with non-alcoholics today in AA because of tradition three or the misunderstanding of what alcoholism is. You know, uh, we have this two or same with the ism, same with the ism. How many people are told that if they suffer from some ism, what the fuck is the ism, William? I'm sorry. To and I tell it, people all the time, what you know, does that even mean? I say, you know, like, <laughs> I never meant to be an executive at work, but I have a lot of employees and what they all have in common, a hundred percent is they all suffer from some ism. Everyone. What 90% <laughs> of them, what 90% of them don't have is, is a physical allergy to alcohol and yes. a mental obsession. And a mental obsession. So what you know this is what i always say every time i speak anywhere i try to talk about the symptoms of alcoholism because we don't hear these symptoms just at any meeting like it's very hard to identify what alcoholism is just by going to an aa meeting unfortunately because you don't hear what it is and until i understand what i'm suffering from this work is not fun i i'm sorry i, I like i say i love aa but i don't love making amends i did a fifth step this week after many years of sobriety I was vomiting. It was disgusting. It was not fun, okay, being honest with someone else, having more defects <laughs> revealed that I didn't know I had. Like, I'm a lot of years sober and re- realized one of my resentments 
was based on me lying. Like I lied. Okay. I'm a grown woman and I'm a liar still. There's still things that are setting balls rolling. Um, so none of this stuff is fun. But when I understand lack of power is my dilemma, becomes a little bit more willing to do things that I don't necessarily want to do in order to recover. And it was your homie, this guy, he's, you know, I want to talk about AA celebrities here in a minute. You are one LOL. But AA celebrities, your your guy told me, he said, you know, your job is to keep your head down and help the drunk in front of you. And every time I get really righteous about like how I feel AA is doomed. <laughs> what if I just helped people though? You know, that could actually be of service to AA. What if I just, you know, told, you know, helped people learn the steps and the traditions that could actually be a purpose of my life instead of just being arrogantly mad about it. Cause I think that's where I'd been sitting for the past couple of years. Does that make sense? It does. Can you tell me how you got interested in all this stuff anyways? What's the story? Um, you know, I, I walked up to a tapers table one day at a convention. Tapers? In like. You're talking about AA speaker tapes? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was at an AA convention. Was that an AA convention? And. I had gone to a Joe and Charlie big book study like eight months before. Okay. And my life radically changed. I had never heard the program and alcoholism spoken about like those two men did. And I was super young and I had been in and out of AA since I'd been 14 years old. And now I was 26 and I was like, wow, like what they said made sense. Mm. And so I had gotten a new sponsor and, but anyway, I also got involved in service at that time. And so one of the things I noticed, whatever, drinking a cup of coffee one day is that like, I said, wow, at these service assembly things, they really never mentioned the big book, but talk about recovery from the big book a lot. And then when I was at my big book home group, which was like, had the program the first hundred had for sure, right? And I was still in that mode where any other place I went, I was telling people, well, you have AA light. And if you want real AA, come to my home group. But so I was still in that mode. But I went up to this taper and I had noticed I could read and I noticed, you know, this topic and that topic and this topic and and I just said is there anyone here who talks about the traditions and the steps the big book and he said you need to listen to Don P he was the US trustee at large who brought the message to Russia and very involved in the big book and um I'm pretty sure I didn't even have the money to because that was probably a four cassette set, which was probably <laughs> it would take me at that time six months to save that money. Yeah. I think the taper gave it to me on installment. But anyway, I listened to those four tapes of Don and wore them out. And then through somebody else I knew got a phone number for Don. And, you know, I'm very lucky and blessed, you know, between 
1996 and until Don died, you know, I would, if I was in Denver for work, I would go to his crazy 6 a.m. meeting and, um, and I became very close to Tom I, who was very close to Don and just a lot of mutual people. And, you know, you know, Don shared a lot of things with me so much so that I wound up becoming a trustee, right? I wound up. What is a trustee? Can you tell me? What's a trustee mean? What is it? So in the U.S. and Canada, if you look at the upside-down structure, yeah, you have the groups up top, mm-hmm. then the districts, then the area assemblies, mm-hmm. then you have the General Service Conference, which is the which is the group conscience of AA as a whole for the U.S. and Canada, and then below the General Service Conference is the legal board. That kind of mm-hmm. runs the business and operations of AA. Mm-hmm. And so the board in the United States and Canada is two-thirds alcoholic members and one-third non-alcoholics. It's 21 trustees. And so I, I served as a delegate. I served as a director on the A World Services Board. I served as a trustee and a chair of the A World Services Board. And But I realized, like... AA had become too compartmentalized regarding the legacies. Like, you know, like I would tell anybody who speaks a lot in AA, don't let the podium become your home group because it's a death sentence. And I would tell anybody super. Girl! <laughs> I, would, I would tell, but I would tell anybody involved in service, don't let the assembly become your home group. That's a death sentence too. Yeah. Like, and you listen, none of our triangles are going to be perfectly equally lateral at all times, but we do right. the best we can. My top heavy part of my triangle is absolutely sponsorship. And, but it's just is the way it is. Like I'm just top heavy with help and drunks one-on-one. Um, but, but the other stuff, if it's not there, um, it, it's the stuff that drives me crazy. Like I love service at, at district and area level. I love it. Drives me absolutely insane. And what I used to think is that the adults in AA are the ones who did service at upper levels. But what I, I think I'm coming to realize is that they actually became adults because of doing service at upper area levels. <laughs> like this is where you're actually doing the real growth. Okay. I can sponsor people all day. That's great. That's it's very comfortable little area for me to be, in. <laughs> but go to a group of an area or a district meeting. And um, you're going to have to use those principles real hard, aren't you? Like real hard. <laughs> you are. And Don told me how many 20 to one votes he was the one vote on. Oh, and when I was a trustee, <laughs> When I was a trustee, I learned what it's like to be part of a 20 to one vote or an 18 to three. And, um, but I know that, listen, I learned to use Excel on a young people's AA service committee. I learned to use word perfect on a young people's AA service committee. I learned so many things about working with people at all levels of AA service, but I also know the traps. Um, and I think there are traps there. I, I love the Spanish speaking AA's world, 
uh, world, their word for trustee, which is custodio, mm. for custodian. And a custodian, by definition, is simply supposed to return something in the condition they got it in. And sometimes I think in all levels of AA, we just want to be the inventor of something new mm-hmm. or have a new angle. Listen, we have a whole kind of section of AA. I don't want to get myself in trouble because I'm always their target. But we have a whole section of AA that's branched out during the pandemic that has its own name that really doesn't believe you need to have a drinking problem or you need to right. suffer from the allergy. Um, and, and I see that and I just am like, wow, like that's dangerous. Like yeah. that is, is really dangerous. And we can't, I want to return AA the same way it was given to me. I don't need to come up with some new fangled. I think the mistake we've made from a service point of view and a traditions point of view and I read everything that we publish. If you look at the last 22 years of agenda items at our general service conference, they're about changing the message rather than how do we use technology to carry the message? Like I believe the message is perfect. Agreed. But we were behind the times in using technology to carry it, for sure. But, but this, you listen, you've already you already pled guilty. Yes. As your you pled guilty. So let me ask you this question. How many times have you been at a big book workshop or some big book thing where somebody says alcohol is only mentioned in the first step? How crazy is that? All the time. How crazy? And how crazy is that? But it comes back to a step one problem that we don't have clear understanding in AA as a whole as to what a what alcoholism is. So if you don't understand what alcoholism is, the solution to it becomes offensive. And this is where I get kind of like, this is where I get prickly and my hands start waving around because the people that I get into a dialogue with who don't like me are 30 years sober that say things like, well, we're just doing this a day at a time. We're putting the plug in the jug and we're just not drinking no matter what. And I'm like, sir, I don't have that illness. What you're saying is listed as impossible. And if we aren't reading the book, what the words say in it and forgetting that AA is Alcoholics Anonymous, the book, and not the other way around, it opens up space for people to say, oh, the message doesn't work because you've never fucking learned it. I'm so sorry. I have a potty mouth. I, it doesn't bother me yet, William. All right. One day, maybe God will make it objectionable, but I have a potty mouth. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is respect that I've never apologized to someone for swearing before. I love that you said that, <laughs> like, though, because you already said something. Mm-hmm. That's another hidden. You would think that you need a microscope to find it, but. How many times have you been at a big book workshop where somebody says, oh, nobody has the power to remove defects, just God, right? That's not what the book says. Yeah. It's not what the book says. It says even God won't remove it until you admit it's objectionable. Oh, this is, oh, I just said that. I just said that to someone and they said they didn't believe it, but I have to, I have to find my behavior objectionable. And until then, God is not going to force willingness upon me. And, and so, what's the problem with people like you and I? The problem with like people like you and I 
is that when I came to AA, most of the things that the people I met in AA objected to, I loved. And most of the things that I loved, they found objectionable. It's a huge problem. Huge problem. But let me just go back to what you said about plug in the jug and everything else. Like I, I I look at it this way. I really do. I don't know how long God can carry a person in the palm of his hand until because I believe meeting makers make it. I do too. I believe they make it to the fork in the road. Are they going to accept spiritual help or are they going to blot out their life? That's where every meeting maker makes it to. The one thing I would tell you is I, I do surrender my ego to the fact that there are many people who show up in AA that already have a connection with a higher power that I did not have. Hmm. And in fact, when I talk to people who are in AA in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s, um, it was, a you know, like I came into AA in 1980. I was 14 years old, right? So the people in AA were my parents' age or my grandparents' age and very different than my generation. My Mm -hmm. generation was not churched. Very much. They actually, so like, there's a man, God, I loved him, John S. He died about seven years ago. John believed in God the day he came into AA. He never needed to find God. He never needed to find proof that there was a God. He never needed, like, he didn't need to highlight his big book and write fancy notes like me and. Because I'm such an atheist, I was like agnostic about my atheism, right? That's how much <laughs> arrogant I am. Um, but I do believe that, sure, there's people who are probably heavy drinkers. And it says it in the book that softer ways will work for them, including meetings. Um, but I still think, and I know I've gotten in trouble for saying it, I still, I still think it's the most dangerous thing in Alcoholics Anonymous. And that is a real alcoholic being sponsored by somebody who's not. Can I just say that this is what I call by the grace of God alcoholic. So God does not make too hard of terms for any of us to reach him. And we can see that from our recovery, right? But but when you come to AA and you aren't necessarily delivered any message, but you have a desire to quit drinking, <coughs> I do believe that God will keep people so abstinent from alcohol for a long period of time, no matter how painful that may be to them. So you do hear people who say that they were struck sober on their first day or that, you know, have to go to three meetings a day to maintain the sobriety because they are showing willingness to be sober and if you are willing and you're asking god for help he will keep you sober even against your will he will keep you abstinent however there's this whole other process that actually unblocks the channel within you to god which is a really dope experience and that's what i'm selling for fun and for free this really badass experience of like a god-centered life it's super rad you know who knew Um, but I do believe that you can be kept sober just by going to AA because that is willingness. And that's what it keeps saying that we're after here. That's all God's looking for. Are you willing or not? You know, if you're willing, however, doesn't mean you're going to be comfortable and not everybody who comes to AA needs to be willing. Do you, I find that it's hardest to sponsor people who are highly religious though. 
but it may just be a different generational thing. What do you think? That's a lot of old ideals we have to let go of in religion, in that dogma. Oh, well, I would tell you that uh, whether the person is overly religious, if that, and that could be, that's probably arrogant of me to say, you know, because right. I think anyone who even mentions God is overly religious, right? I mean, so right. I'm not a good judge of what's overly religious, but I think, I think anybody who is super uniform in their religiosity or the super high IQs, so difficult, so, so difficult. Intellectual AA. And so I'm, I'm helping someone at the moment who keeps going back to intellectual professor AA. And it's really hard to like, this is not an academic experience. This is not academic. Now you can learn things. You can be incredibly academically educated. You have a brain I need. I need all of your information, your academic knowledge of AA. But I know that's not why you're sober. You are, are being kept sober by the grace of a power greater than yourself in my maybe guess, right? Even though you know all this stuff, it avails you nothing. Can you say that? Like, is that a true statement? I would agree with it. Isn't it amazing? That's so dope. <laughs> but um, I think sometimes the reason that big book thumpers get a bad rap sometimes is that sometimes we're so technical in our talk. I like to just and, debate a comma. I love it. I love a good comma debate. <laughs> and, and, and there's, there's, there's need for that, but it needs to be tempered with just as much witnessing of God's miracles. Yeah. And, you know, I spoke last week at this conference and it was right after I went to a funeral online and, I was relatively not in a good place for sure as far as my emotions. And um, I joked around when I started to speak because someone, as I was walking up there, said, oh, are you going to throw out some juicy topic tonight and, oh. you know, talk about that? And when I got to the podium, I said, you know, my juicy topic tonight is God. Hmm. Amen. That's going to be my juicy topic. and. <laughs> I love the pamphlet, The Member's Eye View. I don't know if you've ever read it. I can't wait to talk about pamphlets with you. Okay, go. <laughs> I have I love The Member's Eye View um, because I love, uh, I love what it says at the end. I love that he saw the blind see and the deaf hear and the weak in spirit grow and the hungry eat. And, um, you know, yeah, I, if, if we get onto pamphlets, we could be here to midnight tonight because let me just throw one out. Okay. Just one. Okay. Because okay. you said the other day you go, because you like traditions, you've done this, uh, it's a YouTube and it's just, uh, myths and misconceptions in AA. And I assumed it was going to be something like my podcast. That's not in the book where we talk about how actually I'm not willing sobriety, not even a day at a time, right? That's not in the book. However, you're talking about these amazing deep things, these misconceptions that I had no idea about. And you started bringing up the pamphlets and I go, well, I hate that freaking medication in AA pamphlet. And then that was the thought. And then you started talking about how you loved it. And my mind was blown every single thing you said. Now, medication in AA, we aren't doctors. We don't have an opinion about it. 
But it says in there, it says, oh, I went to a meeting every single day and I still had depression. And I was like, well, it's because you aren't treating your alcoholism and you're going to a meeting every day. And you should probably try some heroin if you think that going to a meeting every day is going to help you recover from alcoholism. They were saying like, that's the solution to alcoholism in the pamphlet. And that's why I smushed up the pamphlet and I threw it when I read it because I have problems, obviously. <laughs> and you said in your talk, we aren't we aren't recovering people with pamphlets, but we're chumming the water with them. And I was like, oh, that's right. That the pamphlets, it, it's not the point. You're not catching the alcoholics with the pamphlets, but you are attracting people to, you are chumming the water. And that's the whole goal. That's it. It's one alcoholic's going to save your, you know, help save your life with the, with the grace of God, you know, help you save your life. Well, you know, there are pamphlets like the AA group pamphlet, which tells you how to run a group, right? Right. I have a bunch but, right here. But the, the other pamphlets, mm -hmm. you can pretty much divide them into the audiences for people not in AA yet. Yes. Their job is to get, you know, it's like, you know, I read uh, a long time ago, this woman who went into a meeting in the eighties in the Bible belt and she was gay and she didn't know if gay people were allowed in AA and her second meeting, she went to the bathroom and she saw the gay and lesbian pamphlet. Now she was too embarrassed to, pick it to take it out of the rack, but just because it was there, it reassured her that she had a spot there. Now, my wish is that every person who a pamphlet gets here gets a big book as soon as possible yeah. and someone to take them through. But yes, sometimes are we afraid? I, I sometimes think that the longer we get, I think the last time we talked, we talked about William James and Carl Jung and my favorite topic along that line, right? Um mm -hmm. That, that this is one big miracle. Let's not ever forget that. Yes. But I think sometimes as AA is 87 years old and we get further and further away from that gatehouse in Akron in Mother's Day of 1935 and we're such in a world of science and money and uh, science and medicine and dollars mm -hmm. That sometimes I think we feel like it's old fashioned to say that God can restore your life. Mm -hmm. And I wish we would not be embarrassed about that. Can, I wish we would be shouting that from the rooftops. Can you just for a second, like, look at me? I have neck tattoos, okay? And my whole little niche of age group in AA looks like this. And I think one of the coolest things is that I can look like this and riot about God and how amazing God is and how just appearances alone. Like, I think that's a really good sales pitch. And I think that's one of the coolest things about AA at the moment is like, is there's, there's guys that who look like Buddy Holly on heroin that are just out there, like delivering these messages today. And I think it's pretty amazing that if Sister Ignatia wrote the book, I wouldn't be here. Okay. Bill W is not a prize winning pastor in the country telling me how to behave better. 
I love that he's a fallible liar cheater just like myself, you know? That's why I'm here. And how cool that is that you kind of just made me get all uh, excited about the fellowship that actually the people who are delivering this message of God kind of look like um, convicts, you know? I el- I look alcoholic. Like, look at me, you know? Like, visibly alcoholic. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> two years ago or three years ago, I visited death row. Yes. At Angola State Prison, oh. and and talked with an AA member there with some other people, and um, you know, oh. I think one of the challenges of AA in 2022, if I would go to like the first page of the 12 and 12 on Tradition One, which is about money and conformity, is conformity. We really have to decide, you know, what generation, what century we're in. You know, we were started by people before the greatest generation ever. The greatest generation ever is so large, it's divided into two. Then baby boomers, Generation X. Um, We have to really understand, like, I know that people are fascinated that you have to have a tie on to speak. But listen, I work, I, I, you know, full disclosure, I'm an executive for a pretty large company. I rarely wear a tie at work anymore. Mm. Rarely. Sometimes, yeah, my, but my rarely. My husband's a CEO, and he doesn't have ties anymore. They're, like, in the top shelf now. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, I might wear a suit, but no tie. But I, I just think sometimes, like, I remember one time in 19... I, the only reason I know the year is because I had just became a delegate. But in 1999, I was the youngest delegate that year. And I remember a past delegate said to me and um, he said, Billy, your blanking problem (laughs) is that you're friends with too many of those freaks who have metal in their face. And, um, you know, I think, you know, some people have this thing like that if Bill W and Dr. Bob saw AA today, they would be just, listen, I think, if they saw the vast diversity of membership that everybody doesn't look the same anymore. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that's only speaks to the real power of AA. Yeah. Yeah. But I even bring that back to, so looking at me again, like some of the words in the book, like I could find objectionable, but the truth is, is in, in that time, this is the most progressive, inclusive shit that has ever been on the market in the history of time at the moment. They were progressive. They were inclusive, all inclusive, actually. And that's incredible. Like I always say in 1935, like I would have turned up. With a drinking problem before AA, I would have just been stoned to death. I would have been put in the barn to die, you know. But today, I actually could be an included member and even a person that is listened to in AA today. That's pretty amazing, right? Well, listen Well, listen how bad we are about convoluting history, about just how white Anglo-Saxon Protestant early AA was, you know? I mean, look at a picture of the first international convention. It looks like a picture of the World Series. Oh, it's, 95, it's 95% ninety-five. It's men, mm-hmm. all in suits and ties and fedoras, right? That's, that's who it is. And we need to understand that 
we've been so, I mean, we've been so inclusive, but yet we know our people are fallible, but the organization has been inclusive. But just look at the story in Tradition 3. Mm-hmm. Everybody thinks that story is about a black transvestite with a blonde wig. Everybody. It's just a gay man, right? It's just a gay man. Gay man. Yeah, gay in Ohio. M- Marty Mann 19- was a lesbian. Correct. Did we all know she was a lesbian then? I have my I'm pretty sure. I have my own little my issue with Marty Mann is that she decided it was the we're gonna call it a disease, which I feel like perpetually victimizes alcoholics into thinking they have some justification for not getting well. I don't know. It's just my thing. What do you think? But what I will say <laughs> is this. Um I was at a convention where I met a cop, a retired cop who sponsors a bank robber that he shot. Nice. Shut up. Is that a real thing? Yeah. Real thing. <laughs> real thing. But like, like you said, like external appearances have nothing to do with a membership. Like, you know, I was in New York to visit my brother this weekend. My brother's a member. His late husband, um, was a member, passed away two years ago. Um, just think about when that tradition was written mm-hmm. in 1946. In 1946, in a lot of uh, states in the country I live in, people of different colors couldn't get together in public gatherings in a lot of states. Wow. In 1946, my brother and his husband definitely weren't allowed to get married. And in some states, it was illegal to be gay. Right. Now, that's couldn't not even a live po- together. Right. That's not a political statement. Right. I'm just giving that's facts. That's the law. Like, right. For, for, for Bill W. to go out and say, quoting Metallica, nothing else matters. Yeah. Nothing else matters. Yeah. Like, that's it. I bring it up all it the time. It was revolutionary. I bring it all the time. It's a miracle is what it is. So tradition three, the way it's written is an absolute miracle for every single one of us. And maybe that's why I'm so passionate about it. Could be. It's a pretty good one. So um, I I wanted to talk about AA celebrity really quick. And I just need, I just want your opinion on it. You are one. I'm not, we're not using your name, but you know, you have a pretty distinctive voice. And actually, my next guest as well, who's on for tomorrow, is as well. But I wanted to talk about women in AA still because um, I had an archivist come on last year who started talking about that we still are about 70% men. And there aren't a bunch of AA female speakers. I can name a bunch of men. But how many women can you name off the top of the head, your head, in comparatively, you know? And so, um, anyways, I was just, it's just one of the I can things. name a lot. Can you, though? Can you? Uh, you think newcomers can name as many women as they could men? No. Probably not. But I want to talk about um, AA Celebrity because um, what you said earlier is you said about being a target. And there's, AA Celebrity is interesting because it's like, First of all, you didn't put yourself there yourself, right? Correct. Is that totally correct? You didn't put yourself in that position. 
you weren't like I would say in today's in today's AA there is self promoting yeah of speakers that didn't exist twenty years ago. But yes, I did not put myself in this position. Right. And so it happens by necessity. However, we also cannot let people celebritize you because you are, again, just a darling little drunk, such as myself, aren't you? <laughs> Being kept sober by the grace of God. So correct. I have, um, you know, there's a, there's not a lot of recovery in the country. And I'm, I hate to say that. I think it sounds like such an arrogant thing to say. There's a, not a lot of big bookers. I'll say, how about that? There's not a bunch of big book thumpers in my country. And there's one. But he is, he's Australian and he loves the American speakers. He loves them. His whole Instagram is his selfies with the American speakers. You may even have one with him. You know what I mean? But I think the problem there is when we look at AAs I will probably bet you that I do not. I was going to ask, do you do celebrity photos? I don't think I you don't do. I don't consider myself a celebrity, but I, I don't think do you not. do. I notice now that people take pictures every Friday or post I'm traveling here to talk about a book or they take a picture, but they don't say, hey, yeah, I don't do any of that. I don't stuff. think you do. I don't think you do it because you can see it can be really dangerous. Right. And well, um, it's a brand. You're promoting a yeah, brand. Yeah. It can be dangerous because um, I don't I, this sounds arrogant again. Don't, 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 I may have some stuff to still work through, but um, uh Listen, I did the steps really quick and I had a really profound spiritual experience as a result of them. So I've never really listened to speakers because I have my own experience, right? And I'm an articulate drunk. Some of us, some speakers are articulate drunks. That's just a little gift from God, right? But that's not, it doesn't mean that um, I have more importance than some other guy who's not as articulate, but really understands how to help newcomers recover from alcoholism. Well, I think um, the way I look at it is I public speak a lot in my professional life. Yeah. So I don't think even in my professional life, people who speak well has nothing to do with being an expert on the subject. It has to do with having a gift from God in communicating. Now, if that helps a newcomer out from anybody who can communicate and speak like that, that's great, but the problem in AA is when people like think becoming a speaker is something that you should seek out to be. Like people who answer the phones on the hotline, some of some of those people they can talk an alcoholic off a ledge and get them to a meeting, like they were born to do it. Or people who can work a miracle in a car in 20 minutes to and from a meeting or there, there are just so many gifts and um, I get it that we're a fellowship of storytellers. And um, I think one of the reasons that I get asked to speak a lot is because often I speak about AA or the weaving of the traditions and the history. And, you know, yes, I mean, we have a problem with, I, I, I'm going to now think about this thing with female speakers now that you've planted it in my head, but sorry, because, sorry. <laughs> because, you know, I'm already on the, I was very involved. I take a lot of nonsense for it, for getting two paragraphs removed from our service manual that I felt were very anti-female and didn't belong in there. And 
I know Bill wrote them, but they didn't belong in there. And we're going to get women professionals who are not alcoholic and we want the best and the brightest to be on our board. Yeah. We we can't have that kind of old school mad men. I don't know if you watch mad men, but kind of mad men era thinking about women. And, and then when I think, I mean, you're in Australia, I mean, forget about it. Then I think about Bobby and you know, you're aware who I'm speaking of when I speak about Bobby. Oh. I'm talking about Bobby, the female alcoholic who sent the message by the big book and in writing to Australia. Oh, no. I'm, 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 do you know that, Bobby? No. Well, there's an... All right. I'm so glad because I just got it in the mail. Oh, good. <laughs> but you have a... You have a book, I forget what you guys call it, about your history in Australia. I forget what the name of that book is. I don't um, know. We have a green big book, though, which is kind of no, fucked but up there's the a page book, numbers. There's, there's a book about the AA history in Australia. Okay. Um, and you've read it? But, but Why I the have. hell but would you book, read it? <laughs> this book was just published. What? And this book is Bobby B., The Untold Story of AA's Fantastic Communicator. And Bobby B ran the office in the 40s while Bill was having a hard time. And Bobby B um, was so important in our history that if you um, if you read the annual Christmas letter that came out from the office in the 40s, it would say, uh, love always Lois, Bill and Bobby. That's how important Bobby B was. Bobby B kept that office intact all those years when Bill was having a hard time. Bobby's responsible for AA starting in many states and many countries. She worked herself to death. She was an alcoholic. She wound up having a nervous breakdown and drinking again and taking her own life. Oh, shit. And you know what we did? What? Never we spoke about her, her again? Our... Yeah. Exactly. We wrote her out of our history. Right. Do you know so the Wright brothers? Out, the Wright brothers had a Wright sister who actually built the fucking airplane, but we only talk about the Wright brothers. This is Bobby B. This is Bobby B. Well, I'm not endorsing this book, but I like AA history and I love this book. Bobby B, the untold story of AA's fantastic communicator. So she would have delivered the message to AA, but then AA was brought in Australia, but AA was brought here by a yeah. doctor who wasn't an alcoholic in the physical Correct. form. So that's, see, I'd find out why air quotes, it sucks so bad here. And that's what I've, I've researched and come up with. Right. Now, I'm, I'm not going to debate that. I don't know enough right. about history, but what I do know is that we have not, you know, while we've been inclusive, yeah, it doesn't mean that we as people, as individuals, haven't had so you think of that thing about Bobby B mm -hmm. and then you and then you look at um what was in the service manual about women and you're just like wow so I, I'll have to think about this whole speaker thing that you're saying and are oh, there a lot of female speakers and uh, so can I bring it back around even further though the reason that okay. I emphasize not putting alcoholics on pedestals is because we are not getting recovery from speakers. We get our recovery, you as well, from your action, from your willingness, and from your work. 
Okay, so even though I'm an articulate drunk, that's what I've labeled myself. You can't take it away until I ask you to. I am an articulate drunk. I know lots about AA, lots about the solution to alcoholism. 1% of my recovery is due to what someone else has given me. And 99% is due to the work that I've done, big book under the arm with a new drunk, walking hand with a new man, right? Like 99% of recovery to where I do have anything to talk about came from action. And so when I sell like recovery for, for fun and for free, of course, when I'm selling you something, it's like, I really want you, no matter who you are, no matter if you're really shy, no matter if you can public speak or not, no matter if you know other traditions, I want you to be empowered to know that with the big book and God, you can have your own experience and then have something to talk about. Right. Did that make sense? Nothing. I agree. Okay. No, I agree 100%. I, I think we've kind of, if if you go back in time, if you believe that AA is around the same size it was 20 years ago, whatever. Is it? But we have, maybe, who knows? We have no good way of accurately estimating it. But I'll say this. We have 15 times more conventions every weekend. Oh, talk about that. You said that in the thing and it blew my mind how we need less meetings and more groups and you keep you can't keep dividing and be profitable and now we have all these fucking conventions. Oh god, I need all your information in my brain. But I just think like you know, like we have to be very careful about that like you know <laughs> I know that I I'll get you get riled up, don't emails. I? I get you. Well, I get you riled I, up because <laughs> I'll get tons of emails. For what I'm, what I'm going to say, which is fine, but um, we have to be very careful that a convention or a roundup or whatever you call it, wherever you have it, is supposed to be the cherry on top of the Sunday. It's supposed to be extra. It's supposed to be nice, but not required, not mm. needed. What's needed is a home group where you have a service position and a sponsor and a big book, mm -hmm. and hopefully you pass on through sponsoring. But it's almost like we've built this thing of just this huge entertainment complex, yes. industrial complex around conventions. And I can look at it a lot of different ways. I'm a numbers person. So the first thing I look at it as it's not sustainable money wise. There's not enough disposable income in the AA community. Mm -hmm. And, and what happens is as we start having to charge more and more for these events, well, then aren't the people who need to be there the most yes. unable to get there? Yes. A million percent. Every convention, you're just, it's clicking that I hear five people say, I can't afford to go. And like every time, every time I've been to one, there's been five people that are new or people I'm sponsoring. I can't afford to go. Wow. Okay. Haven't thought about that. Now I'll just get something in there. I just want to throw my two cents in because I might as well take advantage of this since you're getting me into trouble already. <laughs> Absolutely. My <is> job. <laughs> Is is I would like to say, um, well, first of all, I'll, I'll show you something just so for effect you can react because I know the people will never see this video. But am I allowed to share? Am I allowed to share any content? 
Let me, let me see if I can do it. It's a big ask for someone who doesn't has no technological training here. Sorry. If I Share can, screen. I Hold on, I can do it now. Um, I think, you know, there's some changes that we're going to need to make um, in AA as, as, as the world goes on for sure. I just think that. But you it's don't think we're happen. doomed. Like there's changes. I don't think but we're, we're doomed, doomed. But I, I don't think we're doomed. I do think there's things we have to watch out for. Um, I, I think that, uh, I think there's certain trends that sometimes we're unwilling to talk about. And there's an ice sculpture. Oh, no. Of a circle and a triangle. Oh, no. That looks like I'm at a wedding on Wall Street in New York City. Right? Right. I just want to tell you this. Like, when I see like that, if that costs $1,000, I just divide that by, like, the cost of a big book. And I'm like, God, we could have gotten that many big books into a prison. Or I divide it by... The registration price for the conference, right? And like AA gift baskets for speakers. Like I'm not right. saying a card and a couple of bottles of water isn't nice. I don't want to be that arrogant. And I'm sure, I'm sure. Mm. Oh yeah, hold on. Here you go. Here you go. Oh, really oh my that? god, it's beautiful. <laughs> Of course, it's beautiful. What the hell? That's an ice sculpture. Yes, but do we need that? You should have. I'm just thinking about the like nine month sober committee member who came up with that and who is so excited. <laughs> and no one mentioned what a horrific waste of money that would be for an institution based on poverty as our business model. <laughs> You know, or or when there's like a gift for a speaker, or whatever. And I'm, you know, I always think that that money should be given back. Now, on the on the other hand, I would hope that anyone who calls up a conference a week before, mm-hmm. I don't believe everyone. It's it's not AA. You could go to a regular meeting. If you just show up with your three hundred dollar, you know, Air Force One Nikes and whatever else, and your vape and everything else, and you just don't want to pay. But if you call a week before and say, hey, I'm willing to show up Friday at noon and set up chairs, do whatever, do service the whole week again. I just think there's there's certain things around um, conventions that we should just keep an eye on. I'm not saying they're inherently evil. I'm just saying we should keep an eye on them. Same with last names. Certain speakers refuse to stop saying their last names when they're recorded. Agreed. They won't they, they won't stop doing it. I don't know why. It's a very easy tradition, and you might think it's important when it's in. There's only two A's, you know what I mean, and both seem to be heavily disputed whether or not they're important in AA. There's only right. two A's, alcohol or anonymity. I know, and it's both of them are controversial for some reason. <laughs> but you know, you brought up your country, and I think this is with other countries. Mm-hmm. You know, on the one hand, whether it's an American or anyone else, I think sometimes the problem with AA in other countries, especially new AA, 20 or 30 years old, 
is whenever the original founder of that country is still alive, it's a disaster mm. because there's no group there's no group conscience. That person seems to have too much influence, um, and it's always good to get another perspective. So, on that point of view, bringing in outside speakers is always good. Now, the downside: I don't care what country you're sending them to. If you have AA in your country for over 40 years or whatever, and you need to have every speaker be from America, well, yes, I, I just don't. Yes. You know what I mean? A million percent. Our, you know, so I actually met you at a round. Oh, I didn't meet you, but you were at a roundup, my first one ever. And I was only a year sober. So it was a bunch of years ago in, in um, Australia. You were there. I swear to God. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you okay. been to Have you been to an AA roundup in Australia where you've spoken at? I have. Yeah, okay, yeah. well, I was there, right? And and I and I actually told you this you message. I never. I was only a year sober, but I got had spent my first year in America sober, and you know, I will never go back because everyone stood up and gave standing ovations to all of the speakers. <laughs> now, every single one of the speakers was also from America. Like, like we don't have the option to be spiritually fit in Australia enough to have recovered people enough to speak. And it's just a really bad celebrity message that that it, it, people are, are feel like they can never just have their own AA experience enough to have a message which holds depth and weight. Because you can, like you can in Australia, experience AA and have a message which carries depth and weight. I would tell you in certain parts of the world and America, standing ovations are common at conventions. I'm not a big fan of them, but they're common. Um, (laughs) Again, I see the benefit of having people come in. I do too. And I see the downside. Like I... Like, I totally. spoke in Ireland a couple of years ago, right? Yeah. And Ireland did not, the Ireland trustees did not want me speaking there. Um, because I, because the, they, they knew that I was openly going to take issue with a couple of things. And I was still on the U.S. board. And I'm not speaking for our board, but yes, the fact that you have it in your service manual that you won't put a big book study or meeting in the meeting book because you think that's teaching. I think that's crazy. Okay. Um, the fact that you won't list a gay meeting or a young people's meeting, I think that's crazy. Right. Right. Um, and the fact that you're telling me all of this and you're standing on the 12 traditions but yet you used to have a Catholic mass at your national AA convention no. until like 20, no, until like 20 years it. ago. I mean, come on. You have to. So you've said yeah. it twice. You've said it twice. And why I believe, um, sorry to bring it up again, why we don't have a ton of female speakers and why um, we don't have a lot of, we have a lot of, um, speaker worship instead of speaker or instead of AA experience is because when you do speak, you, you have a target on your back and you've said it twice. Like people don't, you aren't liked by everybody. If you have the solution to alcoholism on board, because if you don't understand alcoholism, it sounds offensive. It sounds offensive to people 
who don't get step one and step 10 if I were to say I've recovered. It's offensive to people who are struggling to stay sober a day at a time, no matter what, that I can be have a problem of alcoholism removed. Saying these things or saying what tradition three actually means when someone's been in AA for 19 years based on a desire to quit drinking when they know they don't have a compulsion to drink or a mental obsession or a phenomenon of craving type. So they know they don't, you know, telling them they may be in the wrong place is offensive. And so it's a hard place to be understanding AA. It's a hard place to be someone who can speak of the solution to alcoholism. How about this? Forget the solution. What about just this plain old, simple, open meeting? The definition of an open meeting is only alcoholics participate. Everyone else is there as an observer. That's the definition. The word says observer. If you're meeting, like it's there in the definition. You can attend as an observer. Shut up. (laughs) Yeah. But, But why? Again, it's not arrogance. It's not that I don't like you. It's not that I don't want you to be well. It's that if you don't identify with the with the the illness of alcoholism, you will not be willing to participate in the requirements to recover, and you will not have a solution that is going to be able to help the still suffering alcoholic. And that guy has a progressive terminal illness not treated with time. He is a hopeless person, and that's who we are here as the mash for. No one else. No one else. That's why we're here. That is, unfortunately, um, not what a lot of people want to hear. And and because of outside influences mm-hmm. um, and because of the amount of money, remember, in today's dollars, today's dollars, Dr. Silkworth's salary when he met Bill W. was $22,000 American a year. Wow. So that poor man is buried at a grave I've been to in New Jersey. He's arguably one of the most important, Mm -hmm. if not the most important men in the history of medicine and alcoholism. Yeah. But yet he's not part of this multi-billion dollar empire. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that empire does not want us to tell people that God is the answer. They don't want to hear that. Kind of and, made me teary, um, the way you said that. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just the truth. They don't want to hear it. And, mm-hmm. um, and I, like I said, I, I came here an atheist and I'm super supportive. I believe in my heart of hearts that God could and would, if he was sought, you don't have to find God. Mm-hmm. If you are on a seeking mission, I believe, I believe it to my core. But when we start taking and talking about other methods and Mm -hmm. all these other things that have nothing to do with the AA program. And and by the way, maybe I know we're going over, but here's Mm -hmm. maybe, you know, you said it's the two A's, right? Alcoholism, alcohol, and anonymity. Mm -hmm. And and you know we look at that but really in today's world it's really more about people not being able to to separate 
the membership requirement of Tradition 3 and the program of action. Mm -hmm. If you're an alcoholic, of course you can be a member. Mm -hmm. It's your right. But regardless of what you are, biker, hippie, convict, bank president, whatever, atheist, Catholic, whatever, it doesn't change our program of action. Our program of action is a separate thing than our membership requirement. And somehow or another, it's kind of become in style to like not be supportive of the program of action that's listed in the book. Mm -hmm. I mean, as you know, we're debating in this country because we're going to print the plain language big book, right? Yes. F that, by the way, but okay. Um, uh, I figured that you would have something to say about that. But, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say, as someone who's been an inmate in the correctional system in my country, mm -hmm. and someone who is well aware of the reading level of inmates, and well aware of other people there not being there to read the big book to people, it it doesn't matter whether I was for or against that book. I, I really don't care. Um, I, I think it's, I think it causes too much disunity. So that's why I don't like it. Sure. But in the end of the day, I do believe that that message is so powerful mm -hmm. that it's going to lead people to God. I do. Hopefully, I do. Um, but I am not going to take part in the message today of, science and medicine and everything except what this program was built on because the central fact of our lives today is the absolute certainty that god is is in it and in our hearts and in our lives and, and lives in a way that is indeed miraculous this is a miracle it's a miracle and today we have evidence of god in our own sobriety okay just we don't know. We actually don't know each other. We haven't known each other that long. Um, I just bug you all the time. Um, but but the fact that we've never been in the same... Well, we have, technically. We've never met each other. We've never been in the same room and had a conversation, nor have we discussed anything other than recovery. We just followed the same instructions and got the same result. It, in my mind and scientifically, is indisputable evidence of the existence of God nothing else did it. It's not your tradition's knowledge. It is not my articulation. It's not, it's not the personality. It's not the ability to recite the facts. It's the facts that we had, we had an experience with God. And, and that's what we're so excited to pass on to other people about. And in this acceptance and excitement about God, we've become alcoholics with a message, which has some depth and weight, and that we are going to try to tell other people about it. And I think that's kind of fucking beautiful, if you ask me. <laughs> well, and that is and that is the purpose of the traditions. The purpose of the traditions is to get the people out of way, yeah. out of the way of blocking God yeah. out. Truthfully, we are our own worst enemy. Yes. And if we can keep those 12 little things to give the newcomer their best shot possible of having a miraculous recovery. That's what they're there for. So that there'll be no outside influence. 
And they made the mistakes so we don't have to. It's already been done. It's already figured out. You know, we don't have to do anything new. So maybe even if you can't stick with 12 at the beginning, break it down to those two A's. Okay, just start with those two A's and we can go from there. <laughs> we are so over Very time. True. We are so over time. I would sit and talk to you all day. Thank you so much for your time. I just loved our conversation. You're welcome. I'm going to book you to come back again. Thank you everyone right. for listening to That's on the Book. You can reach out at any time at that's on the book and hotmail.com. We'll see you guys next week. Have you even read the fucking book?